You are Locked On Mets, your daily New York Mets podcast. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Hello to all you amazing Mets fans. You're listening to Locked On Mets, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. To get this show every day, subscribe wherever you get your podcast. You can also tell your smart device to play podcast Locked On Mets. This was a very bad weekend for the Mets as they lost all three games to the Atlanta Braves, but all of it was overshadowed by Ioannis Cespedes and the end of his time with the New York Mets as he has decided to opt out of the season due to coronavirus concerns. I'm going to talk about this in the first half of the show. Obviously, this is a huge story for the Mets. It was not handled properly on any side, in my opinion. I'm going to get into that a little bit in the first half of the show. Then later on, I want to talk about some of the promising young players that we have seen perform this season, namely Andres Jimenez and David Peterson. Before we get into any of that, though, I'm your host, Ryan Finkelstein. If you want to find any of my work, check me out on Twitter at FinkelsteinRyan. You can also find some of my writing about the Mets, MetsmerizedOnline.com. So, Yuenis Cespedes has probably played his last game in a Mets uniform. He has opted out of this season due to coronavirus concerns. Reports have come out now that there is a member of his family that has some health concerns, some pre-existing conditions that could be troubling with the coronavirus. And as outbreaks are happening around baseball, Cespedes made the choice that was best for him and his family to opt out. And I know some people might be upset about Cespedes leaving, and there's people saying he quit on his team. I don't buy any of that. I totally understand this decision for him. If this is what he thinks is best for him, by all means, under the circumstances of this crazy season, it is completely acceptable. At the same time, He didn't handle it in the best way. And the Mets only made things worse by the way they handled this situation and turning it into a PR nightmare. And I will start with the Mets because I know a lot of Mets fans are going to blame them for this, and rightfully so. Everyone believes when Brody talks, he's lying. When the Wilpons talk, they're lying. They don't have trust in this organization, and this organization constantly makes mistakes. So I understand that. And they could have avoided all of this by simply not bringing it to the public. After the game, Brody said he was trying to be transparent, but here's what happens. Prior to the game, the Mets basically say Cespedes is AWOL. Don't know where he is, they try to contact him, can't get a hold of him, no idea. Now, I don't know what they were angling for that, I guess he said he was just trying to let the media know why he wasn't there, but what it did is it caused a panic among social media, among The regular media fans, everyone was worried. Is Cespedes okay? It's 2020. We don't know. We don't know what could have happened. There's been crazy things going on in this world. So it caused public outrage and concern. And everyone's even wondering, why are we watching baseball when we don't know what's going on with Cespedes? As the game goes on, you get reports he's safe. Nothing else, he's safe. Then after the game, Brody finally says his agent reached out to us and he has opted out of the season. We finally sent people to his hotel. His stuff was gone. The agent came in contact with us and told us Cespedes' decision. Now, there's been some reports later that some players knew when he tried to say goodbye. Regardless of all that, if Ioana Cespedes had decided that he wanted to opt out, it would not have killed him to either text 
the manager, Luis Rojas, Bernie Van Wagenen himself, who used to represent Cespedes, or have his agent do that prior to the game. And I can blame Cespedes on that front. And as much as fans are coming to Cespedes' defense, and I understand why, you do have to look at the history of this player. And I'm not someone who says he shouldn't be golfing on his off days when the Mets are playing. I'm not that. I'm not going to that extreme. But what I will say is that there was problems with Cespedes before he came to New York. There is a reason that he played for both three teams in, in a matter of a year with the Tigers and the Red Sox and the Mets. And, you know, he did have this issue dealing with management for whatever that is worth. And that happened before the Mets until now. Okay, that's just a reality of the situation. And you can say what you want. He should have let somebody know. If that's if if all the events unfolded how they we think they did, he should have been a little more forthcoming. But let's remember what Cespedes did for this franchise, and hopefully we get past all of this and what has been this four-year contract and look what happened before it and say this was still a great Met, okay? 2015, Mets go to the World Series. Cespedes was the best player on the planet, really, for a couple months, was as hot as they could be. Helped the Mets win a division title. The next year, he was great as well, all-star level, and helps the Mets make the playoffs. Only the second time in franchise history that Mets make the playoffs in back-to-back years. He was great. And Sandy Alderson, after the 2015 season, when Cespedes didn't get that huge nine-figure contract he expected, he signed him to a great deal. A one-year pillow contract with an opt-out on a three-year deal. I mean, it was perfect. Went out, performed in that one-year deal. He opted out. They should have just said goodbye, let him go elsewhere. They didn't. They signed him to a four-year deal. It bit the Mets. It didn't work out. He didn't get on the field. There was a ton of incidents with the injuries, with the wild boar, with all this crazy stuff, and now we've closed the book. But I will say, you look at Cespedes and where he ranks in franchise history, came into this short season with the best slung percentage in franchise history, one point ahead of Mike Piazza, he finishes a couple points behind. He has a 539 career slugging percentage as a Met. Piazza had a 542. So clearly one of the best sluggers this franchise has ever seen. Now looking forward, I can still say the Mets might be better off for this season. Cespedes struck out in 16 of his 31 at-bats. And while the ceiling of Yuena Cespedes in this Mets lineup was enticing and had a lot of Mets fans salivating at what this team can do, I look at the alternative, which is Dominic Smith getting a lot more at-bats after he has been really struggling to find them so far this season, and I say the Mets are better off. Dominic Smith and J.D. Davis are both in their prime. Cespedes was a couple years away from the game, and he's in his 30s. And I'm sorry, those at-bats are probably better served going to Davis and Dom, and they might not have because of Cespedes' pedigree as a high-profile player. So now J.D. Davis and Dominic Smith can get in the game more, and really, they've been your best run producers this year. Davis has six RBIs. Dom has five. Those are the top marks on the team. Dom hasn't even been getting that many at-bats. And if you go back to last year, 2019, and look at OPS and OPS+, Plus, which are the metrics that really measure the output of a hitter, these guys were in your top four hitters. You had Pete Alonso and Jeff McNeil, and then you had J.D. Davis and Dominic Smith. So these were guys that graded out in some metrics even better than Michael Conforto. It's good to have them in the lineup every day. And ultimately, I think that makes the Mets better. They also can look to get Andres Jimenez a little bit more involved 
maybe play him at second, put Cano as the DH. I am really impressed with the young kid. I want to talk about him a little bit and why he might warrant some more playing time as well as some promising young pitchers. But right now, during these times, it is important to support local businesses. And Postmates is a great way to do just that while they're also keeping you safe and in the house. Postmates is your personal delivery service for food, grocery delivery, whatever kind of delivery you need all year round. They're the largest on-demand network in the U.S., and offer delivery from all the restaurants, grocery and convenience stores, and traditional retailers you could possibly want or need. 24 hours a day, 365 days a year, Postmates will bring you what you need within the hour. No more trips to the store, Postmates will deliver anything to you. Download the app for iOS or Android for free, and then begin to browse local restaurants and businesses and track your delivery in real time. For a limited time, Postmates is giving our listeners $100 of free delivery credit for your first seven days. To start your free deliveries, download the app and use the code Locked On. That's code Locked On for $100 of free delivery credit with no minimum purchase for your first seven days when you download the Postmates app. Anything you need, anytime you need it, Postmate it. So now with Yoannis Cespedes no longer the team's designated hitter and opting out for the season, the Mets have a vacancy in their lineup, which will likely be filled by Dominic Smith on a daily basis. He hasn't been getting a ton of playing time, and so now they can work him in, whether it be at first base, at left field as he was on Sunday, or as the DH. Pete Alonso, of course, could DH some when Dom's in his place at first, and J.D. Davis can obviously DH some if Dom's playing left. I still, though, would like to see Andres Jimenez get some more playing time. Because so far this season, if I had to have one takeaway, it would be that Andres Jimenez looks like a real player from the Mets in the future. The kid just jumps off the screen with his baseball instincts. He has a feel for the game that we haven't seen in some time. Just with natural, raw ability when it comes to his ability to pick up third base when he really has never played it in the minor leagues. The fact that he is probably a better defensive shortstop than their starting shortstop, Ahmed Rosario, although I would not move Rosario out the position just yet. I do think Jimenez could take that position in the future, and maybe they try Rosario in center field, but now I wouldn't do that. Still, though, Jimenez has played short well, has played third base well, and his primary position this year at second base, he has looked outstanding in. So wherever you put him, he's helping your defense in great ways. You look at what he does offensively. We've seen him lay down a beautiful drag bunt. We've seen him get a triple so far, use his speed, steal a base. I like him as an offensive player, even though he might not hit a home run this season. I don't know how much pop the kid has. It's developing. I think he'll grow into his body more and maybe get some more power over time. But for right now, if he's shooting singles through the infield, that's fine. And he's 5 for 14 so far in the season. That's good for a 357 batting average. So you can take that. You really can. And he has only struck it out one time in those 14 at-bats. That tells me that he's not overmatched. You'll see a prospect come up, and they look at the big league pitching for the first time, and they'll get called out on strikes a lot. This kid hasn't. He hasn't drawn any walks yet either, but I think that'll come over time because you see him getting into good at-bats. 
getting into hitters counts. So I really like what I've seen out of him. And if they were to put him in the lineup, you could really improve your defense in many ways. Because let's just say you started Jimenez at third base. Well, you can move McNeil into left field. Or even move McNeil to second base, which is probably a more natural position for him than third. So you put him at third, you move McNeil to second, Kudos your DH. You move McNeil to left field, I think you're getting your best offensive alignment because even though Cano is older, he still does have the gold glove pedigree. He's still going to make the routine plays while he doesn't have the great range he used to have. He's still a solid defender, and I really think that J.D. Davis and Dominic Smith hurt you and left. If you have Jeff McNeil out there, your outfield defense is significantly improved. So it's tough to find a way to get Jimenez in the lineup while you're trying to get all these other guys at bats. But you can pick your days, and I don't see any reason why Jimenez can't start three or four days a week. I I really don't. The kid's that good, and I just really like him. And you know what? At the end of the day, if nothing else, if you get an everyday player out of Jimenez to this you know, shortened, (laughs) crazy hell of a season, and you get a starting pitcher of the future in David Peterson, it's a success in a crazy year. So I like him, and moving over to Peterson... He looked really good in his second start. Goes six innings on Sunday. Gives up five hits, three runs. Strikes out eight. Has five strikeouts late in the game as he's closing out his day. I think he could have gone a seventh inning, but they're not pushing him much past 80 pitches just yet. The one inning in the third, he ends up with the bases loaded. No outs. Only gives up two runs. So he has a grittiness to him. He then gave up a solo homer. But you look at the way he pitched throughout the day, and he was in control, and he keeps his head in the game. He's also a big kid, six foot six, repeatable delivery. He seems like he can be a durable starter going forward. He's made every start his first two years in the minors. So I really like David Peterson. And looking to the future, maybe it's not this year because maybe Stroman comes back and they pull him from the rotation. But I think he's a mainstay past this season. I expect Peterson in the rotation in 2021 and beyond. So I really like what I've seen out of him. Now another pitcher that came up, Franklin Killame, had a good debut on Saturday, comes in relief for Waka, who didn't have the best start, and Killame gives the Mets four innings of critical extended relief work, gave up two runs but struck out five, showed his 94-mile-per-hour sinker, has a curveball that's a good pitch, drops in at 81, and a changeup at 85. It's a three-pitch arsenal that works for him. I think there is some raw, untapped potential there, and I think he could be a pitcher that may one day profile as a good starting pitcher for the Mets, or we can see what happens over time. But for this year, if he has that long man role out of the Mets bullpen, I think they're in good shape with him. I really was surprised with the way he pitched. Finally, what would usually be an entire podcast talking about two trades that took place on Sunday was completely overshadowed by the Cespedes news. And that's something the Mets specialize in, having one terrible story in the morning, and then you kind of overshadow it with another one. But the Mets lost Jordan Humphreys, a potential solid pitching prospect, for Billy Hamilton in a trade with the Giants, as they had to DFA Humphreys because they needed a spot on the 40-man roster, and all they get for him is another defensive first center fielder. And what makes that trade worse is the fact that they cleared Humphrey's spot on the 40, 
to get Ryan Cordell on the 40-man roster, and Cordell is another defensive first center fielder. So it's a lateral move that just continues to highlight Brody's wasting of prospects. As much as you can appreciate the way he has drafted, he has also thrown away prospects, and a lot of them particularly looking for a defensive first center fielder. Last year it was Keon Broxton, this year it was um, Marisnik, now Billy Hamilton. Now Hamilton can help the Mets this year, especially if the roster stay at 30. I can see him having a role. He has 299 stolen bases in his career, and he's a really good defensive center fielder. But his skill set is redundant with Juan Lagares, Jake Marisnik, Ryan Cordell. Maybe he is the best of those four options, but is it worth giving up a pitching prospect who's shown some promise? Probably not. And this whole situation with Humphreys goes back to when the Mets put him in the Arizona Fall League, when they probably shouldn't have. He was coming off injuries, really hadn't pitched at all in 2019. The Mets get him some work in the Fall League because he's ready to go, and he performs really well and puts himself on everyone's radar when they probably wouldn't have had to have protected him from the Rule 5 draft. They end up putting him on the 40, and because of this crazy season, they were going to need that roster spot at some point, and that's just how these things work out. But it is a missed opportunity for the Mets when you have a pitcher who has a sub-3 career array in the minor leagues. While he hasn't even pitched 100 innings in a season yet, he was tracking towards prospect status in his two years before Tommy John, comes back, pitches well, and now we'll see what he turns into. If he becomes a star with the Giants, it's a big mistake. He's 24 years old. There's every chance this doesn't come back and bites the Mets. But it is just one of those circumstances that could have been avoided had the Mets managed things better. And also, quite frankly, if Major League Baseball lifted the restrictions of a 40-man roster for this season. Because I continue to think it is really stupid when you see a team like the Marlins who are probably having to go through all kinds of gymnastics to field a baseball team right now to have these restrictions of 40-man roster and service time and everything else that comes with it when it really should just be the 60-man player pool is open. Do with it what you will for this season. They should have tossed the rules on that for one year, in my opinion. But here we are, and the Mets have lost one player to this and also Tyler Bachelor, who flashed some promise at times with the Mets but ultimately struggled out of the bullpen over the last couple of years. He ends up getting traded to the Pittsburgh Pirates for cash considerations. So those were the two deals that went down on Sunday. As I said, usually you'd spend a whole show or at least a whole segment talking about those trades, but this was a crazy weekend. You know, in a cesspit, it's kind of stole all the headlines at the end, even overshadowed the fact that the Mets lost three games over this weekend. We will see if they can get things back on track on Monday with Jacob DeGrom on the mound. Yet with the way the Mets have been playing, that is definitely not guaranteed. As always, thank you for listening. Please remember to subscribe wherever you get your podcasts. Also, if you want to get some more great baseball content, check out the Locked On MLB podcast right here on the Locked On Podcast Network. All you have to do to get the show, tell your smart device to play, podcast Locked On MLB.